welcome back to by the fire podcast where i your host take you through mythical tales and creatures from across the black diaspora in this episode i'll be speaking with antoine bandela who is an author of the story the kishi who are shapeshifters from angola who can transform into hyenas and back into their human form at will Today we'll be discussing the legend of the Kishi, writing about fantasy novels in general, and how he got into writing, and many more, including Nigerian politics. Dun dun. So I really hope you enjoy listening to this episode. I had a really great time interviewing Antoine, and there's so much more in the SO one series to read. So, on to the episode. Peace. So, hi, Antoine. Thank you for coming. Thank so, you for having me. Um, I have quite a few questions for you. Um, so I was just wondering, um, first of all, let me talk about you. So you're an author and a video editor, content creator. You do so much. And, you know, you have so many stories. And um, from the Tales from, is it SO one Tales from SO one yeah, yeah. Tales from SO one And you also had the Sky Pirate Chronicles. So do you want to tell me a bit more about yourself, just in general, and how you got into everything? Um, so yeah, I guess it would be back in 2015. I used to work for Apple retail. I was one of those guys in the blue shirt that would, you know, tell you your phone is messed up or whatever, you know, like I was that guy. So I was doing that. Um, but then in 2015, I had put more effort into my YouTube channel, which I've had since 2006, like when YouTube like came out basically, Mm -hmm. uh, because there was a star Wars was coming back, you know, with the new star Wars movies and I was doing more star Wars videos and I was doing avatar videos, uh, avatar, the last airbender, legend of Korra, that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. Not the, not the blue people, the aliens, stuff like that. Um, so I was doing videos about that. And then I started getting kind of like a following off of that and revenue that, could sustain me past what Apple was paying me at the time. So I was like, oh, maybe I should just do this. And then I started having like this entrepreneur kind of like mindset for like the past five years of like just working for myself, uh, whether that is my YouTube channel, um, mm. the publishing, which I'm doing now, uh, video editing or audiobook uh, production that I do for, you know, clients, stuff like that. Yeah. So basically I'm just all like, entrepreneur, like right now. Um, and the biggest thing right now is probably the publishing, which is mm. A, a slow burn like it's not as fast as youtube because youtube was just like immediately like you yeah you get you know especially if you're talking about star wars and avatar yeah yeah you get that immediately but with um books it t- definitely takes a lot longer to uh do that but i do see it progressively getting there like each time i put out a new book or a new product mm-hmm. um I- i'm getting more and more like noticed by people so yeah. that that's really awesome so that is really great and like you know you mentioned on your website about how you know you published your first book well published your first book yeah. your, your dad printed it off essentially so like how did you get into like writing like such a young age uh so it was my mom my mom was very was very encouraging of me and my brother being creative mm-hmm. so she would um draw a lot and then we would like emulate her and draw as well yeah. and we were into comic books so we were like oh we could put words to our pictures and like have them be stories and like same with you know my dad would take us to smart and final and get it laminated so that it makes it seem like we're really legit because like typing it out even yeah even the, the fact of typing out my name back in the day was like yeah. the coolest thing like just seeing your type name now it's like whatever because everybody can just print and mm-hmm. it's so easy nowadays but when I was like growing up in the 90s like having your name printed was like super dope uh, so yeah I just did all that and my parents were very encouraging of me being mm. creative even though my dad was what people would deem he even today he is he's a jock basically yeah actually the reason why I'm left-handed I'm actually left-handed 
um, isn't because I'm naturally left-handed. I was actually picking things up with my right hand, but my dad would like, you know, hit it and then like put things on my left hand because he wanted oh. me to be a left-handed pitcher in baseball and left-handed pitchers in baseball have a natural curveball. We're hard to, it's hard to hit our balls. Anyway, he was very, yeah. very into sports and he wanted me to be like, you know, a baseball player. Yeah. So, um, but even though, even in high school, when I kind of like went off and veered off from that, he was like, oh no, it's okay. Like you totally, you know, do your thing, like be yeah. creative or whatever. Um, and he's always been encouraging of me doing that. Uh, and yeah, so I, through high school, I was a creative person. I started doing films and stuff like that. Uh, but the writing thing kind of kept coming at me, but I never yeah. really pursued it. Like um, when I got out of high school, I went to a, uh, a summer camp called Inner City Filmmakers in which I won their screenplay award. I got a scholarship for mm. winning the screenplay award. And then I was like, I don't, I'm not going to do the writing thing. And then I uh, went on and did... Um, uh, once community college or community college uh, university to mm. uh, I did one of the screenwriting classes and the the presser was like you should be writing and I'm like ah no I'd rather direct I'd rather do like yeah. you know, all this stuff and so it kept coming up and then what happened and apparently this is a story that is repeated by a lot of writers is that mm. I just hadn't seen the book that I wanted in particular I was watching uh, season six of Game of Thrones went yeah. on Google and was like oh is there like an African Game of Thrones and then, like I found a bunch of like African um, related or uh, African diaspora or African like motherland mm. uh, books that were out. So, you know, you have uh, Nick, uh, Nettie Okafor or you have like N.K. Jemison. Uh, then you had Tommy Adeyemi. Uh, but I still hadn't seen a book that I truly wanted. Yeah. And so I basically just wrote it myself. So instead of like waiting for someone to write it, I just wrote it myself, which apparently is something that a lot of writers, that's like the story for a lot of writers is that they yeah. just write the book they want yeah because you mentioned that in your author's note as well at the end of the kishi and you know i think yeah i did not want to write it yeah (laughs) (laughs) i mean not that i didn't want to write it but just that i would have rather someone else had written that story Mm. and i would have just been a participant in reading it and enjoyed it right consumer but instead you had to be the creator because you weren't seeing it and right let's start with you no that's, that's so great to hear and like i wanted to ask like what is like your writing process and is there like a difference between when you collaborate with other authors because you do have books that are with yeah. other people and then by yourself uh so my writing process has changed and evolved uh at first i was um doing the whole you know write your first draft as quickly as possible like make it your vomit draft mm. and i found that that didn't work for me because then i end up just editing a lot over and over like right now even sky pirate even though i finally put out the first book the reason why it's taken so long for me to do that is because i wrote the vomit draft and had to like <laughs> cor- correct it forever mm. uh, it's a lot harder to um to do that i think than to for what i do now which is taking my time i do my books in acts and within those acts i do sequences which are kind okay. of like episodes yeah so like for instance uh, sky pirate had uh three acts and then within like the first act i think there was something like two sequences where you're introduced to uh, both of the characters, the the pirate mm-hmm. and, and the imp- imperial captain, um, and then you get to know like what their lives are like, and then I you know will send that out to beta readers like that first episode yeah. and say, hey, what do you think about that? And then rewrite that to make sure that it's you know clean and concise, mm-hmm. and then move on rather than like go through the entire book and have like you know someone say, well you know what this third act doesn't work because in the first act you didn't establish you know mm-hmm. and like it's all this stuff that you have to deal with. So uh, now I do I'm definitely what they will consider uh, writers would consider an architect, meaning that I plan out a lot of my 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 books i outline pretty extensively uh and then with other authors it it depends each partnership is different like some people prefer if they do the first draft sometimes they prefer if i do the first draft and they come in um it it all depends on the collaborator themselves Mm. uh it's it's you always have to be very flexible with whoever you're working with because not everyone is going to work the the same exact way 
Yeah. So like when it comes to collaborations, is there like, is there a, like a partnership or group work or is someone always like in charge? Well, I guess no. for at least for my works in the SO1 stuff, it's definitely me in charge. And I think that yeah. helps because then there's that final voice yeah. um, of like, hey, this is like what the continuity of the work is. Um, I'm kind of like the last word just so that because you kind of need that. Like I learned that from film and filmmaking, like the director has to be the final word. You can't have a bunch mm. of people on set giving all this advice and, and, and um, uh, too many chefs in the kit- kitchen is how the expression goes. Mm. Like you can't have too many Gordon Ramsay's in there. You know, you have to have one Gordon Ramsay yeah. so that you can operate. And that's a, a, a big thing. I think you have to establish right away in any collaboration, you know, who kind of is going to have the final word so that you can move on with whatever you're dealing with at the time. Yeah. And then, so when it comes to um, how you write, the way you write, like in, in um, acts in a series, when you, mm-hmm put on your social media you know I've just done a chapter with this many words does that mean that you've gone through that progress of you've given it to beta readers you've edited it and then that's that chapter completed correct correct that's exactly it so it's me getting through um the initial word count sharing it out making sure that it's relatively solid whether it's with a critique partner or beta reader or whatever it is for that particular project Mm. and then yes then then i will post like okay this is like the final word count even the work that i just posted about uh tj and the orishas Mm. the the final the final word count and i say that in quote unquote because i already know that there's so much that i have to cut from that book i mean it's a young adult book yeah 130,000 words almost i'm like there i gotta cut out some stuff here. So I know, yeah. I know for a fact, you know, uh, that stuff is going to have to be tapered and stuff like that. Mm. But uh, yeah, that, that's generally how, how it works. And do you have any like chapters that you haven't even given out to beta readers because it's just been like, you know what, I don't even like it enough. Like, do you have any unfinished work like that? Yeah, no, I do have deleted scenes. Like actually in TJ, it would have been even longer because I actually had this whole other um, like magical sport scene that I had but I realized that that beat would have done better in the previous chapter if I just like meld the two together mm. um, so now I have like a whole deleted scene of like this whole which is cool because you know once you like release it and you have like someone on your email list or like a patreon or whatever like that or patron I should say um, then you can give that out and be like hey here's yeah. a deleted scene like extra content that didn't make it but still technically is in the world itself it just didn't yeah. even see it in the story yeah, of course. So, like, last question before I go on to, like, the actual book. Um, mm-hmm. On your website, you have um, a reading order, which is a recommended, and then the actual mm-hmm. chronological order. So, why – I've never seen that before. Like, why would you um, recommend, like, a reading order? And, like, what does that bring to the whole, like, like story? So, I'm writing a huge series, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, what I'm doing is a huge undertaking because I'm trying to write an epic fantasy. Or yeah. all these books – like, the books that I'm putting out, like, the Kishi is actually – the Kishi, the Sky Pirate Chronicles, they're all prequels to mm. what I want to be my big story. So if someone's familiar with A Song of Ice and Fire, which was adapted to Game of Thrones, mm. it's basically like I'm writing about Robert's Rebellion before getting to the Game of Thrones, which yeah. takes place, you know, several years after all that, uh, all those events. Mm. Uh, and I'm basically building out the world bit by bit. So like the Kishi takes place in like Southwest Esalon and like, you know, this is um, the Sky Pirate stuff is like East Esalon and I'm going to do something that's kind of based on like Mansa Musa, which is going to be like Northwest, yeah. you know, uh, Esalon. So I'm doing this bit by bit to build the world out and then eventually make that big epic fantasy. And the reason yeah. why I have um, the suggested reading order is because I can tell already that it's going to get very long. And if, yeah. you know, someone like comes into it and goes like, what am I supposed to read first? Yeah, yeah. You know, like then I established having this website so that people can know, oh, here's a timeline of suggested order. Mm. Um, If I want to, you know, 
and I have the chronological order because if someone wants to be like a completionist, like if someone yeah. wants to just be like, oh, I just want to see how, how the story unfolds, like, you know, by the timeline, like exactly. Yeah. Then, then I have that for them. But my, I usually say, hey, go to the suggested reading because yeah. you can spoil certain things, you know, because mm-hmm. some certain backstories will spoil um, uh, some of the mainline stories and things like that. Yeah. Isn't that like Star Wars where like the older yes. the movies aren't? It's not a timeline. Oh, yeah, it, nine order, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it jumps back that's and true, forth. That's true, that's true. Well, it's also very similar to Star Wars because there's a thing called, uh, well, back in the day, they still, I think they still call it this, it's called mm-hmm. the Expanded Universe, where okay. in the 90s, after Star Wars was kind of like dead and gone, you know, after the, the 70s and the 80s movies, mm-hmm. uh, they made this thing called the Expanded Universe, which were like books and comic books, uh, novels and comic books, uh, about other stories, like mostly about like Han and Leia and Luke after the movies and things like that. But their thing got so long that they needed to have timelines. And at the beginning of each of those books, they'll say like, hey, here's the timeline of events. This is like, you know, where you are in the timeline if yeah. you want to read other books. <laughs> so I kind of aped a little bit off of that because I am a huge Star Wars fan, particularly yeah. of the old Legends continuity. Mm. Okay, so now we're going to talk about Akishi, the book. Akishi. Gosh, it's a great book. It's a great read. Like, I, I can just talk about like all the things that I loved. Like, I loved how you, you know, included like mythical creatures from other countries in mm-hmm. Africa, like, you know, like in a really subtle way. So I read the the phrase with the, the Tokoloshe and I was just like, oh, yeah. I, know, I know who that is. Like, yeah. and you know, it might pass someone by if they don't know yep. like, yeah. like what that is. And I was reading that's like, yes, I know. That's great. And, you know, I loved the character development as well of like Amana, for example, like, you know, yeah, he, he I, was, he was me. yeah, you know, he was, like you know angered and he had like grief but with betrayal but then he was able to like without like spoiling too much he yeah, was yeah. able to you know like just go through that that journey and know? also having because he was trying to get answers from everybody else in that book mm. um and, and trying to follow someone else's you know path yes when really it's about him trying like having to forge his own path and what works mm. best for him and not you know just thinking oh there, there's just one way to do it i thought that was a or at least that's what i attempted to do was to yeah. make it, you know that he's forging his own path and not or that in life you know sometimes you have to just do it on your own and not always like you know yeah. you should take advice but take pieces of the advice from certain people and then you know make your own way Gosh, yeah, no, exactly that. Because like you said, he had, he had, you know, the monks and then he had, you know, the people, he had Umoza? Uzoma. Uzoma, that's it, yeah. Like, like, uh, one of his mentors and he had Kojo, right. which is one of his mentors too. So he had yes. all these like mentor figures uh, and, and, and being pulled between like, which one should I listen to? Which yeah. one? And then like having like the, the kid at the end, uh, Ikena being like, hey bro, like maybe it's just like going your own way. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, exactly. That was, like, really cool. Exactly. So about like, you know, the protagonist, like what inspired you like to engineer such a character? Like, <laughs> like, you know, he's so, he's so like, he's so, he's got like a long like, history, which, you know, does that come up, come out in other books? Yes. Yeah, so th- all of this is, is connected. So mm. Tales of Masawan Kishi is actually connected to, I mean, if you do end up reading the Skyfire Chronicles, yeah. he is mentioned in that book because you know how he mentions that, you know, his past is that he used to be a pirate. Be a pirate yeah. He uh, actually used to roll around with those. So it's all yeah. connected. All of, you'll get, especially if someone's reading all of these books, they'll start seeing like little Easter eggs of like, oh, wait, that's from that book. That's from yeah, that book. You know, yeah. that kind of so um, for him, I actually initially, um, he was a character designed by my brother. And sorry, I keep looking up because that's, I have a poster all over like posters all over my, <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking at the mana right now yeah. in, in my face. Um, so he was a, a uh, character that my brother designed from his Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Okay. And he used to 
have this character called Tai Wu, which was mm-hmm. like this, this character he always had with like long dreadlocks and like, and then I was like, what is, what is that a thing? He's like, I don't know. I just, I just thought it was pretty cool. And I was like, pretty cool if I like kind of use that design, but I'll do it like differently. He's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then coming up with the Kichi, again, my brother gave me that idea too, because in his Dustin and Dragons book, there's like a little sliver, a little paragraph about like the Kishi. And then like at the end of like, there's a footnote saying like, oh yeah, this is inspired by mythology from the, um, from Angola. And I'm like, wait, yeah. what? Like, wait, let me look at this. And then initially what I was looking for was just, oh, let me look for a book about the Kishi because I think it's really interesting. Absolutely no books about the Kishi at all. Mm-hmm. Like nothing, no comics, no, no, no mentions except for yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, how is that possible? And that's when I started getting into the idea of like, oh, I should probably write my own story about the Kishi. Yeah. And just the idea. So the way I came up with the mana came by way of the monster first. So you mm-hmm. have this beast, right? That it's uncompromising. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, what kind of, what, what's a foil for that? A foil for that would be, okay, well, what would be the greatest conflict? A monk, a pacifist monk. Mm-hmm. So usually you're trying to, you're compromising with human beings usually. Like you're like, okay, well, I'll just get everybody together. They'll talk it out. We'll figure out how we can come up with a compromise. Mm-hmm. But how can you do that against a demon? Like yeah. you can't compromise with demons. So for him to have this like idea of being a passive monk, that's the way he's going to achieve, you know, his own enlightenment, his own progress. But what happens when you have, you know, these things, these entities that can't be compromised with, yeah. what do you do in that situation? And that's how Amana kind of came up with, cause I didn't think I even had the idea of the monk thing until I came up with the Kishi stuff. And I was mm. like, oh, okay, what's the, what's the opposite of that? What, what gets challenged by that? And I was like, oh, a monk who's like super passive. Yeah. And I've always been interested in like the idea of a pacifist monk especially when it comes to conflict, because um, it, it's an interesting thing, you know, like if someone's attacking your home or someone's attacking your loved ones, the idea of just like not doing anything yeah, has always peaceful, been like, yeah. Kind of, yeah it's, or like it's, trying it's, to promote I mean. peace in like the, in the face of, of violence, like how, right. how, how does one do that? Especially when it's happening in front of you. Yeah. yeah. So I thought yeah. that would be an interesting thing to cover. So that's why, that's how I came up with that. So like you mentioned that, you know, you didn't see a lot of things about the Kishi online. You know, I was trying to look to see like, is this, and something that's already been established online and you know you said you didn't see much so in terms of like the other mythical like abilities that you mentioned so having short sight having long sight and um, having the voice like essie and being a shapeshifter did you do like extensive research into those or were some of those things that you created like yourself so those were created so all the yeah. magic stuff is created like except for the kishi being like influencers and stuff like that mm. like they actually that is part of their magic is like you yeah. know, to influence people and trying to capture them yeah uh, but that is a trope that's just in fantasy in general it's called being an empath which is just you know uh, controlling people's emotions and stuff like mm. that. So I was like, oh, let me expand on that. Like maybe there's more, there's impasse. And I was like, oh, maybe I can have uh, Amana have, um, you know, like a like precognition. Yeah. Yeah. So he can see like, you know, the future, like in little milliseconds. So I'm like, mm. oh, what else is there? Oh, elementalism. Let me have Naya, like, you know, be able to, to you know, touch the elements and stuff like that. Yeah. And I have all these other characters that like pop up. Even in the, the Skyfire Chronicles, there's a lot more magic in that one too. Yeah. So all of that's created, but I always, um, tie it back to the original lore so like for okay. instance with the kishi with the shape-shifting that's totally part of the lore of them when they impregnate women and like the hyena eats their way out like yeah. that's totally part of the lore um uh, them influencing yeah. as the world the only thing that wasn't part of the lore is them being able to hide their heads under, under the heads head. yes i made that as an addition because i was like oh if they had to live among human societies i would think one of them would have to learn eventually how to like actually yeah, like hide adapt, yeah Right. So it's an adapting thing so that they could, you know, better hide themselves among yeah. human populations. And then Uzoma like took it further by yeah. like, not even needing the hair. Right. Like, shaving it. Yeah. So that was, that was like, 
evolution like gone like way too far <laughs> because right. now they can like completely conceal themselves like in like until society. they want to devour somebody mm. <laughs> exactly that <laughs> so who is like your favorite character in the book because my favorite character uh, is um i'll just write in there but my favorite character is the kojo oh, oh think, you stole it from me i was gonna say kojo, man. yeah because yeah. he's just so he's so like fun yeah but he's like he's, the hippie dude to me he's like the right <laughs> but he's just like he seems so human and real. And I feel like I know Kojo in real life as in like, he's also knowledgeable and he does like advice like a manner about, you know, mm-hmm. about the, the, um, Ojara dance. Am I saying that uh, right? Which one? The, the dance. This way? Yeah, this way. Oh, oh, oh yeah. It's Ugara. Ugara dance. Yeah, yeah, Ugara. Yeah, Ugara dance. And like he advises about that. And he's also influenced like by his wife and his children. Yeah. Like, also, I love his family. Like yeah. my favorite scene is probably that scene with him and his children. And like yeah. the one is like, daddy, can I show, can I show him my power or whatever? Yeah. And then, like, you know, it has like the, the, the daughter, like slap him across the, the, yeah. the, uh, the stomach yeah. with like a bark or something like that. It's like, Stop doing that! Like, yeah, <laughs> is that like he's also your favorite? Were you gonna say? Yeah, that? yeah, no, Kojo is definitely my favorite for sure. Gosh, yeah, he's just he's just just so wholesome. So yeah, he's a cool. And his kids show up. They they, they uh, show up in uh, more stuff. Yeah. Oh, really? No, I in mean the, like in future books that they. Yeah, in the series. In, yeah. 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 Okay, that's that's good to know. Question I'm actually about, about yeah. to write one of the scenes where they are actually. Oh really? Well, I'm not actually good. like I said. I'm very Easter eggy with the way I mm. implant stuff. So like. If someone is really astute and they know who that person is, mm. they'll know. But I don't like directly name them or anything like that. Yeah, I was, yeah. Do we know their names? Yeah, Adeola is the daughter's name. Okay. I forget what the boy's name is, but I know the boy's name too. But I know okay. for sure Adeola is uh, the girl's name. And, and I really, I, the only reason I know that is because she's going to show up in the Sky Pirate stuff. That okay. I'm right now, yeah. So are they? Can you tell me? Are they older? Is this? Yeah, yeah, they're older. So Sky Pirate uh, takes place, oh, I believe two years after the Kishi or a year after Kishi, I can't remember. Mm. Um, But yeah, they're a little bit older um, uh, in the the context of the book. Yeah. So like, I don't know if you like know this, but I wanted to ask, like, do you understand if people's like general dislike of like hyenas? Because, you know, you know, in Lion King, hyenas are just like, you know, like a hyena's belly is never full. And then you have like other um, folklore where just in the community, in the society, hyenas are just never looked at as uh, the good ones. Because I was asking this because out of all the shapeshifters, you know, you have someone who can be a warthog, you can someone, you have people who can be ospreys, but it was only the shapeshifting hyenas who were banished. So like, for example, the the two brothers. Yep. So like, like what's up with, why why were they ostracized? Yeah. it's mostly because of the Kishi. Like that's yeah. the main reason is because they didn't, the, the village of Bajok just didn't, didn't jive well with hyena type creatures. So mm-hmm. they're like, well, y'all are probably associated with the Kishi. We don't want nothing to do with y'all. Y'all are banished. You can go out there. Yeah. We'll keep our warthogs and our osprey, like, you know, yeah. shapeshifters, but y'all got to go. Cause y'all might be like, we don't want Cause they don't fully understand like what the demon magic is. Mm. is or like how it because even like you know throughout the book they were like we don't know even how they're created you know because they're so mm. that society is so secret um mm. the society um it isn't until amana you know does his like uncovering that they figure out oh that's how like the origins of them i think at one point someone says like you know it's, it's a curse or something like that or how mm. you become one or like you know you can be changed over yeah uh, and not knowing how the origin but yeah that's just a you know an act of ignorance because they don't know where they're coming from they're like no. all right so just ban all hyena all of them, just yeah go. Yeah, yeah that's 
Ah, uh, that's a shame. But I guess IO's cool yeah. too. I like IO a lot, especially what the uh, the narrator did with IO. Like he went in on him being like a blubbering, like scared, you know, yeah, he was just traumatized so person. And, yeah. yeah. Gosh, and yeah. I don't want to say too much, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of oh things yeah. in the book. But yeah, okay. So just a few like general questions about yourself. Like at the moment, what is your favorite book? My favorite book, period, like all time? Um, all time. Or just like that I read recently. Oh, just, I can talk about recent. Yeah, it's, it's actually, recent. I'm, yeah. Recent. Uh, Shadow of the Kyoshi uh, just came out. It's um, an hour's hard last airbender book that they're now doing novels now. And I hope they do a whole lot more because mm. the, what just came out was so great. It's a duology. It's called Rise of Kyoshi and Shadow of Kyoshi. Okay. Uh, both are very, very good, very good reads, especially if you're into fantasy. Yeah, like, like what, why is that? Is it just because it seems as though that kind of like fantasy is your genre? Mm-hmm. So, oh, like, yeah, why do I like that kind of fantasy? Yeah. Um, I mean, well, what it really draws me is the the core of it. Like, even for Harry Potter, I don't really like it so much for the magic. I mean, magic is like the cool part of it, but I really come back to it because of the friendships that are in that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Avatar, yes, I like the magic system. I like the the elements stuff like that. But what brought me back to that story is how they deep dive into what it means to be the avatar, what it means to be a hero in your land, like the, the one hero um, and, and the weight, you know, that has on someone and, and the pressure you, you have to yeah. deal with and how it's not just about fighting people. It's not just about, you know, bending all the elements and just like, you know, fighting people, but it's like a lot of politics come with it. And all, yeah. it really goes deep dive into that sort of a thing. And also just like betrayal and also the idea of, um, history and the representation of history uh they 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 dive deep in about that um Mm. there's a particular character like past avatars who they've seen that oh that person's a terrible avatar but then you get more insight into like why they were the way they were and it it goes really deep like in terms of like politics yeah i mean you do do that quite a bit in the kishi like going deep into like the characters into like um the context and then you know the magic adds to, right, to plot, it's adding to it. It adds. Right. So do you feel like you could do that, you yourself as a writer could do that in other genres? Or do you feel, feel as though like fantasy has a great way of writing like that? I mean, I just like fantasy. Do you mean yeah. what I write outside of fantasy? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. Um, I was trying to write like a, a romance novel with his other author once, another uh, female author, mm. uh, which was cool. I mean, yeah, there was no magic in that at all. It was just literally about a relationship. And I think we were doing something about like a, it was like a toxic relationship kind of situation. Mm. It was going to be based on um, Maroon 5's Songs About Jane, which is one of my favorite albums ever. Yeah. Um, and we were like, we were thinking about, oh, what would that look like as a novel? Like that relationship that he's describing <laughs> in those series of songs. Mm. Like what, what would that be? Uh, but no, I haven't really thought about going outside of uh except for i am publishing a children's book right now um that isn't magic based at all it's called knucklehead fred it's just literally about a kid in regular world but i just love magic too much to 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 not to not write about about it yeah exactly (laughs) yeah and a few more questions so do you have any books that you'd want to make into a tv adaptation or like movie the one that I'm doing currently, I think would work very well. I, I think S1 could work too. It's just that it's going to take me a while to actually build that out. And I don't want to mm-hmm. put myself in a George R. R. Martin situation where yeah. the TV show overtakes the book. Uh, but the one I'm doing now, it's called TJ Young and the Orisha. So that's the series name. Uh, the first yeah. book is called The Gatekeeper Staff. Uh, it's about uh, an African-American kid who is, um, who's introduced to like this world of magic and the world of the Orishas uh, through this magic camp that he has to go to, like a remedial magic camp because he's not been able to 
touched magic for his whole life. And then, you know, he's suddenly 13 years old and he's, mm. you know, 13, 14 years old and then he gets magic. So we kind of see like, you know, what it's like to, to learn. It's kind of similar to Harry Potter where, you know, you go to like a place to get magical education, but he mm. goes to a remedial magic summer camp kind of thing, yeah. you know, having to learn all the magic that he was supposed to know for like, you know, his entire life, stuff like that. But that one, I think, lends itself very well to an adaptation because it's, um, uh, it's contemporary. Uh, it, it very much fits in that mold of Percy Jackson and Harry Potter. Mm. Uh, I think it's a much easier sell than kind of like the more epic fantasy stuff with the with Kishi and Skyfire Chronicles. Yeah, 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 fair enough. And, you know, you mentioned quite at the start about how you're trying to focus on like um, publishing. So like, what is your like goal with that? And because you do so much already, you do like you, you work in quite a few fields like, in media, but then in publishing, mm-hmm. like, where do you see yourself in publishing, you know? Well, I mean, I just want to get to this place where it's a sustainable, like the same way like YouTube Premiere right now is sustainable on its own. I want publishing mm. to to kind of take its place or at least be, you know, um, side by side with it because I really like doing it. I like creating these worlds um, and I like that I'm putting out this mythology that people don't know about. Like a lot mm. of people didn't know what Akishi was no. uh, pr- prior to, to my book. Um, and no, I didn't. Yeah it's something that I want to continue sort of highlighting. Um, and also the main reason why I wrote the particular kind of African fantasy that I wrote with the Eswan stuff is because I've seen a lot of post-colonial kind of, you know, fantasy or mm. just post-colonial um, uh, narratives for black people in general. Mm. And I wanted something that was very much a pre-colonial there's no you know colonizers no white people in it whatsoever it's just about black people being awesome in their own nations in their own countries um and and giving that uh a pedestal a a voice and like yeah a platform or voice and like you know I, i see what you mean like having their own internal conflicts that are outside of a certain like gaze or outside of a certain um infiltrator like you know like there were issues that were I guess, in place bef- before colonialism. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason why uh, colonialism hurt so much. Like, for instance, in a, in a place like Nigeria, for instance, mm. the, 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 what the Europeans did to divide that, or what uh, the UK did to, to British, divide that yeah. out, they divided up a bunch of tribes <laughs> that were already like in conflict with each other and they made them mm. be like, all right, now that work together as one country. Like yeah. they weren't ever, they weren't, they were separate. Or, you yeah. know oh, I mean? like, and oh, they we made, know, we know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Igbo were separate from the Yoruba, the stuff separate from the house of Fulani. Like they were not, they were never like one thing. They've always no. had conflict. So like to make them trying to like, coexist and, and like, no, like just give them their own spaces, you know? Yeah. Like, but anyway. Yeah, <laughs> we could we could go into politics and yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, like a hundred percent. Do you have any questions for me, like as a reader, in terms of like what I felt about the book? Or um, well, I mean that's awesome. I I can tell you actually read it because sometimes I get interviews and people kind of like talk about vaguely about the book, yeah. like you like pinpoint like I read, stuff like that. Yeah. So I, that's what I love. And I love yeah. hearing that. I actually just got a, a DM from someone um earlier today who had just read the Kishi. I think um one of her friends had read it and like gave gave her her copy like tomorrow, mm. and she's like. Wow, like, oh, and the hugest thing when the book first came out, there was a woman who actually was from Angola. She actually was also from the UK as well. Um, And she said she had a really cathartic experience because it's a story that her grandfather used to tell her, like, for bedtime. And it's something, and I think her grandfather had passed a few years prior to that. Um, And for her to read it, it it brought back all these, like, memories for her. And, like, for me to, like, you know, 
affect someone like that. And yeah. I told, told my dad this. He's like, yeah, man, like words are powerful. You know, what you're doing is really powerful. And like, I, I didn't get that context. So someone directly spoke to me, you know, mm. about like their experience with the book. That's amazing to me. And like, and I love so that. Yeah. Yeah. That you're, you were able to read it and pick up on like the things that I was trying to represent in terms of like theme and um, like plotting and the pacing and like, you know, the moments of like the twists and like, you know, you're able to like yeah. follow along with it. And I think that that's awesome. Like that's sort of a thing. I think that's another reason why we do the things we do, like content create, because, you know, you, you hope to reach out, reach out to people and not just like change lives. That's so cheesy, but just like, you know, have people like be inspired and like be moved by our work. And then, then them telling you that's like the most amazing thing, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 that's really, really awesome. Yeah. And that's the thing. And even what you said about it, like being, something you can get through that's huge for me too like I said before like I I really want these to be accessible I don't I'm not trying to be one of those elitist highbrow (laughs) fantasy people who who are because I think fantasy is a really great genre and sometimes it can be very um, off-putting some of some of the pros and some of the like you sometimes see like these really thick books you know Uh, it's very daunting you know definitely I think as well like you included like the glossary at the end like for those who right just for extra context in case people can read between the lines of like you know like and the maps and the pronunciation yes. guide i thought was really awesome too yeah like i got that from another indie author who did pronunciation guides for her book i was mm. like oh i should do that especially because i'm trying to like you know represent other kinds of cultures that most yeah. fantasy readers especially in the united states might not be familiar mm. with um so yeah, like, general, all that stuff. yeah no yeah. that is so great like thank you so much for like speaking with me and you know this was so great to speak with you and it was also just really great to read your book there's such a massive world out there in like the SL1 series and Sea and Sky and like the fact that it all like joins together it's just me yeah it's more for people to read more for me to read as well so like like, like, thank you for being on here and you know like just a quick question like where can people find you because you're everywhere so I'm everywhere. So the best, yeah. like the home base would be my website. So it's yeah. AntoineBandele.com spelled A-N-T-O-I-N-E-B-A-N-D-E-L-E.com. And you'll find all, and if you just uh, Google me, like, like yeah. I'll pop up on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, YouTube, like all that stuff. Like I'm, I'm almost everywhere except for like Tumblr because I don't really understand Tumblr. <laughs> and Snapchat, I'm not on the set <laughs> like, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, thank you. Like, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I really hope you enjoyed it. I had a great time speaking with Antoine and I would say that if you're looking for a fantasy novel that comes from the Black Diaspora by someone in the Black Diaspora, check out this book. He's got so many other books as well and yeah, I'm trying to read more and it's looking like fantasy is my favourite genre because I just love reading about people's stories that aren't necessarily related to mine. So I feel fantasy is the best genre that really reflects that because I'm not facing shape-shifting kind of demons. No, I'm not trying to go on an epic battle to try and save my village, you know, which technically does happen in real life, but not in mine. So <laughs> yeah. Be sure to rate and comment on Apple Podcasts and follow on Spotify. And you can also listen on SoundCloud. Use the hashtag ByTheFirePod so we can continue the conversation online. And I look forward to you joining me for the next episode. If you have a creature or folklore tale you'd like to hear or would like to be a guest on the show, feel free to email ByTheFire at ByTheFire.mail at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and I hope to catch you on the next episode. Bye!